0: Thank you for listening to this programme from the Forever Manchester Radio and Podcast Network. Forever Manchester is a charity that raises money to fund and support community activity across Greater Manchester. Check out forevermanchester.com to find out more.
1: With me now is Sadia Sharma. Sadia set up a a group, a community organisation called Safety for Sisters.
0: Well, I didn't actually set it up. It was already set up in... in, I'll tell you a little bit about it, Terry, because it's a very interesting organisation that we run. Um, It was set up in 2009 by a group of really committed feminist and anti-racist women who were based, all volunteering, based in Manchester. Some great, great women. So these women, um, some of them I still still work with uh, today, they were seeing with alarming regularity Women with no recourse to public funds, so those women who had immigration fallen foul of the immigration systems through no fault of their own, so had fallen foul of the immigration systems but were experiencing gender-based violence, so domestic abuse um, and abuse from mainly uh, husbands and partners and men in their family. And they were women who were unable to access refuge accommodation. No recourse to public funds means that you can't access the welfare purse. So you can't get JobSeeker's Allowance, Universal Credit, you can't get housing benefit. All the things you need to sustain yourself independently when leaving a domestic violence relationship. And also housing benefit is needed to give you accommodation and refuge accommodation.
1: And so that ends up as a proper problem, It's not
0: it? It's a huge problem. And it's a huge problem in terms of human rights Um, these women can find it very difficult to find um, accommodation at a very risky and life-threatening time for them and their children, potentially, and they are likely to have, because of issues around class and not having their own income, um, they are unlikely to be able to have their own money to sustain themselves in B&Bs or wherever. Um largely they are women who have very few contacts or resources or networks in the UK because they are, have come in as migrants. So they perhaps don't have um, parents here or the uh, extended family here or people that they can call upon to assist them. So they're very isolated, highly marginalised, and then experiencing this life-threatening, very risky, very violent, extremely brutal um, experience of, of violence. And then they have nowhere to go, and they have no money. So the women who set up Safety for Sisters identified this as a problem and said, we're going to do something about it. Hence, Safety for Sisters began as a campaigning organisation. So
1: actually, what you've described there, that's a problem that magnifies itself as a problem and becomes ten times worse.
0: Absolutely. Right. And you know, highly marginalised women, extremely isolated, may not speak English as their first language, have very few resources, have very few rights, and their voices are silenced. There was a massive silence over this particular group and community of women. And so part of our work at Safety for Sisters is to elevate, find platforms to talk about it.
1: Let's talk about you.
0: Oh, OK.
1: Tell us a little bit about you, your background, your childhood.
0: Well, I was born in um, stoke on trent and I lived most of my life out just outside um, Stoke. There's a university called Keele University. Um, so I lived there with my mum and dad. My dad is, um, was, he's passed away now, but he was from India. And so we still have family uh, back in India. And I loved my upbringing. It was a very good upbringing, but I was... Like many young people, I really wanted to uh, leave and, and set up on my own. I had often come up to Manchester with my mum as a child. Um, as, a, as a young child, I remember there was a radical left-wing bookshop called Grassroots, and my mum used to take me there, and I used to quite like that, because it was very interesting. It was days before the internet, so, you know, um, there was all sorts of activity, a hub of activity for loads of human rights organisations, the LGBT community, feminist, anti-racist. It was a fascinating place. And then I got a bit bored of that as I entered into my teen years. So I just hung around Affleck's Palace (laughs) <laughs> well, my mum went to the bookshop. So when I hit uh, 18, uh, that's where I came. I came to Manchester Polytechnic.
1: Hanging out at Athlex Palace is a great pastime.
0: Oh, it was wonderful. I went in there recently, actually, and I think it was, it was 20-odd years since I've been in there, but I went with some fr- uh, friends' children. And it brought back lots of memories, lots of memories.
1: How did you end up in Manchester? What brought you to Manchester? I, Obviously, and you like the place.
0: I like the place. I got a place at Manchester Poly, and I studied uh, sociology at Manchester Poly. It was a fantastic time. So it was 1990. It was a really great time to be in Manchester. And I must say, when I think about the student fees that uh, students are left with at the end, I was so lucky that I got a grant. Uh, I think I had to get a student loan loan for the last year, but majority of my my three years at Manchester Poly, I was so fortunate. I had a grant. They paid me to be at at, uh, Poly. It was amazing. I made some formidable friends. I learnt so much. I still have an affection for Stoke, but I didn't want to stay in Stoke. I wanted to see the big, big world. And so coming up to Manchester just opened my eyes to this amazing city and grim as well. I mean, there was there was all sorts of things that weren't so good in Manchester, but it was a city and it was buzzing and it was thriving and not thriving, but the, the, it had an energy about it. And I was 18, so it was very exciting to be in Manchester. And I never left, really. I mean, I spent a bit of time in London in my late 30s. Then I had my daughter and we came back to Manchester and I feel Home.
1: You were talking before, and I picked up a vibe. Prior to you being 18, you've just mentioned this radical bookshop that your mum used to bring you yeah. to. I'm, b- I'm picking up the vibe that you've almost been brought up to protect the unprotected.
0: I think my mum is an incredible woman, and I think she brought us up. Not meaning to, I'm sure, but she brought us up, um, brought me up with a really interesting childhood. Part of the time was spent in India with, with family while my mum was doing research, both in, in North India and Punjab. So we spent some time there at school and, and uh, when I was younger, not at school. Um, she enabled me to have access to lots of different sorts of people. And that's the cultural capital. I didn't have very much financial capital, but culturally, um, in terms of exposure to all sorts of people and interesting people, um, that was my upbringing, which was fantastic. She was a social anthropologist um she's retired now so she was actually speaking to a range of really fascinating people from all around the world so regularly when we were I come home from school and there would be some like overseas or international students meeting downstairs in the front room and we regularly had people stay and so it I suppose my upbringing was around suppose I didn't see it at the time but it was just a lots lots of people from around the world, very international. And also just in terms of politically as well, the politics were always on tap in our house. And then my father as well, my father was political. And he had lots of very interesting friends. You know, we we had lots of sort of left wing sort of uh, friendships. Um, My mum was very much part of both CND, but also very much taking action against in in the, the, the 70s and 80s, the National Front who were quite active in Stoke in the 70s and 80s. So we were part of a family that was political. And uh, so that was, I, I, I cannot thank, you know, I think that's fantastic. It's fantastic upbringing.
1: How did that lead on to, how did you get involved with Safety for Sisters?
0: Well, Safety for Sisters is really a culmination of two and a half decades worth of working in the feminist and, and the women's sector. When I first moved to Manchester and I left Polytechnic with this sociology degree, fascinating but I did not know quite (laughs) what its use was if I wasn't going to go further in academia, which I didn't. So I, in the days you wrote off, I wrote off to a couple of um, organisations, you know, do you want any volunteers? And two really interesting replies came back. One was from a citizens advice bureau saying, great, okay. Uh, would you like to become a volunteer advisor? And if so, we'll do um, this brilliant training for Citizens Advice Bureau training is phenomenal. So I said, yes, I'd love to do that and um, signed up for that. But I also got another very interesting reply from Suba, a Young Asian Women's Refuge. Sadly, it's no longer. That was a feminist, anti-racist, phenomenal youth work refuge for young Asian women, 14 to 25, who are experiencing violence, it was the most incredible space to be in, with incredible women living there and incredible workers working there, and a lot of them are still my good friends to this to this very day. Um, that passion and that energy to really protecting the rights and supporting incredibly vulnerable, young Asian women who were often hunted down by families. Um, Before all the talk about honour-based violence and forced marriage, this group were supporting those young women against the odds, against the state, against their families, against society. Suba did this incredible, incredible rights-based, feminist, anti-racist work. So I worked there for um, as a night worker, so I wasn't a paid member of staff, but I would go in, because it was 24 hour, mm-hmm. Refuge, So I'd go in and do some nights a week, um, just making sure that, that, the, that the young people were OK. And there's many, many stories to tell about that. But that's that's how I got involved in this line of work. From then, I then worked in um, Asian women's uh, refuges and mainstream uh, women's aids, And so I think politically I was growing. I was growing in terms of my feminist politics But within an anti-racist and um, analysis, I think the term now is intersectional. I was growing um, politically through these incredible groups, through the women that I was meeting, through the discussions, the phenomenal, long, in-depth discussions and debates that we would have surrounded by the resources that enabled people to talk out because I recognise that that's a, that's a real privilege to be able to have these amazing discussions. You know, not everyone gets that. Maybe not at work, maybe not at home, maybe not in uh, their education, maybe not uh, with the people around them. So I, I see it as an pr- absolute privilege to be involved in this venture. And so I think when Safety for Sisters was set up by the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the incredible women who did set it up, I was just lucky enough to know some of them and to be in a position, and I had developed so much, I think, to this point. So I think Safety for Sisters is just a culmination of a long line of phenomenal work that's been done by women up and down the country, and I'm deeply privileged to be
1: involved. Your presentation skills are phenomenal. Thank you. Is that something that's just come natural to you? Is it something you've learnt as you're going along? Is it one of those spokes in the wheel that you just were able to bring to the table? Or have you had to learn to deliver and present these arguments? Or has it always been, I'm a debater and I'm just going to give it my shot here my my view
0: i think it's a bit of both terry i think partly i have always been quite outspoken You yes, asked my mother <laughs> um i think i've partly been outspoken and probably very naively and not very uh sharp let's say i think i think you learn you learn the sharpness but i think what our role really at safety for sisters is 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 to su- support the women that we work with. But we absolutely have to speak out. So I don't think, even if I wasn't a good presenter, and thank you very much for saying that, um, I'm not sure about that, but thank you. But even if I wasn't, we are compelled to speak out because there are so few spaces where these women's voices are being heard. Mm. So few platforms where they are being heard and people take them seriously. So I think a big part of our organisation when it was set up in 2009 by those amazing women was they always said we're campaigning we're talking we're debating we're arguing but by god we will take these voices to bigger platforms and we will if people will not come to these women then we will take those those voices to wherever so I think that's part and parcel of the work um, at safety for sisters yeah, a it. massive so, part
1: brilliant so it's not an argument it's the promotion of an understanding
0: absolutely absolutely and i mean you know if people want to argue then we we're prepared for that but um i think we just have to say there is a group of women who are so marginalized in the societies whose rights are being not least eroded but they have been stripped of their rights now that is a travesty and so when we talk about marginalized communities of poverty um when we talk about how the world how the how england uk is today we must always talk about this group of women and when we talk about the hostile environment we link it up to this group of people so i'm constantly reminding i think our our job at safety for is to constantly remind and provide that narrative of this group of people
1: how do you Find these platforms obviously you get invited to speak at events and, and and represent safety for sisters and represent the community the very communities and the very people that you represent on these platforms how do you get on them in the first place because quite often they're, they're organized by people who've got a set agenda that they want to put on so yeah. how many doors did you have to kick down to start getting <laughs> invited to them That's where I'm going. i don't kick down doors terry
0: but no no i i know exactly what you mean um I think we knock heartily on doors we because of the work that we do so it's women's work and it's working around race and racism and discrimination and it's also class that you know these are women uh, living in poverty and we have to sort of explore all at the same time that's the nature of of the group that we run and the women who use our group so we span lots of different movements. And so we have always said that we need to have an urgent talk about race within sort of gender. Sorry, we need to talk about race within within the women's movement and then we need to talk about gender within the anti-racist movement. And, you know, we've had some ability to talk about that and there's lots of good people in both of those movements. I think we are quite new in terms of finding platforms but sometimes platform finds us mm-hmm. so for example Forever Manchester I think thought oh this is an interesting group and as I think Forever Manchester do they're really from the community for the community by the community so they recognise that you know um, it's not just a grant but it's a relationship and all that all that stuff that's involved with really good funding work so when Forever Manchester approached um, Safety for Sisters to be on a panel with women that we don't really meet but they were fascinating and interesting when we were talking about sort of uh, women in leadership and sort of um getting voice getting voices out there and how do you promote your work and how do you survive in a very male world those were really interesting moments as well because it wasn't just us knocking on or as you said kicking down doors it was it was an organization coming to us and i think that that sends out that's so symbolic it's so symbolic because it's exhausting actually constantly knocking on constantly trying to make the argument constantly saying but but and and so it's it's a it's a real pleasure when an organization recognizes there's something in this organization that 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 speaks to to us and we would like to hear more about them that was fantastic obviously this year is a hundred years the centenary since some women got the right to vote in 1918 so we are having lot there's lots of platforms Um, that we're invited to, which is fantastic. And, you know, we've only done this work in terms of um, funded um, and more organised than perhaps we were when we started since 2015 so we're still quite new but I think obviously I would say that but I, I do think we have a really valuable voice uh, in the wider public discourse around not just g- gender race class and uh, and talking about but in the much wider debates around human rights and what kind of society do we want and also more locally what do we want Manchester to be like yeah so we did a fantastic um, presentation. We were were invited to do a presentation on a, a city in change so much more localized looking at manchester what what our thoughts were on on the the changing nature of our city and of course our response would be is that it's fantastic some bits of gentrification for example are fantastic some bits of the change are amazing we we, we welcome that but city centres is a democracy. City centres are for all people, you know, poor and rich, and they should reflect that. And we don't want, for for example, our my response would be, we want Manchester to be a welcoming place for migrants, a really welcoming place, and that doesn't mean, you know, just that they feel safe literally in the city centre, but there's resources, you know, there's buildings for people, there's resources. We hold on to the citizens' advice bureaus, we hold on to the public services as best we can for the communities, all communities, and... Um, so we get invited to do interesting things like that. And then obviously meeting people like Helen Pankhurst and yourself is 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 great because it's a start. It's just doesn't it isn't just a platform, you say it, you go home, that's it. It's mm-hmm. a process and yeah. that's how we see it, as a bigger bigger venture, a bigger process.
1: Brilliant. Now you just mentioned there about Manchester City Centre and about um city centres being inclusive. Yeah. And I would see Manchester, in comparison to other cities, mm. probably well ahead of the game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, no, I think I think you're right. I think what we just need to do is say that and hold on to it, because what I would be worried about, say, for example, places like the Northern Quarter became, which are wonderful, and they're putting up buildings and there's lots of um, sort of spaces where people are going to have their homes there now in the city centre. Um, but also that is the home of Safety for Sisters, and that is the home of lots of, you know, uh, support groups for vulnerable people. And we also need a place in Manchester. Um, We, because women are coming in from all across the Northwest and because they're women on the move, so they're on the move because of the violence, Um, and leaving domestic violence, they're on the move because they may be part of the asylum process, the dispersal system, so they're constantly moving. And they're a transient group of women because of the very violent and hostile situations they're living in. We have to have a community hub in the city centre, not outside in the perhaps the suburbs or places where it might be cheaper. We need it in the city centre.
1: Okay, in a roundabout way, are you saying that your ability to stay in the city centre is threatened by development?
0: It's not development per se, it's development that's increasing prices. So groups like us who have uh, very 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 limited funds, ha- hugely under resourced, we wouldn't be able to afford the rents it should it come to you know um, should it come to that. So we always have to be mindful of that so that's where development um, does have an impact on community groups so what we would say is invest in the brilliant community projects not just us but there's many many other community projects that need to be in the city centre um, and protect those so the city centre is a democratic place it's, it truly is a democratic place because I agree with you Terry I think that Manchester is an amazing place and does have some you know incredibly in. Valuable city centre resources, but let's protect those. Let's keep those because they are part of not just the heritage, but the future of Manchester. What do you think mm. the future
1: holds for yourself, and obviously for Safety for Sisters? It sounds like you're going to be busy, and you're going to continue. We to are be continually
0: busy. busy, and I suppose a massive, massive thank you to everyone who's contributed. Every woman that's contributed their time, energy, solidarity, commitment, free of charge to support our organisation. It's phenomenal. You know what? What what people will do and have done and will continue to do. In terms of what our future is, I mean, we're, we're steadily growing. Obviously, we're a tiny, tiny frontline organisation. Change doesn't happen as quick as um, if we had all these departments and all these people. We don't have that. But that gives us an amazing freedom to speak our mind, to say we're not curtailed. We we Like I said, we, there's a compulsion to, to talk about this because we see it. We see it with the women. And, you know, you can't not unsee things. Um, we work with the women. We see the horrendous state that they're in. But the injustice, and it is injustice, it is injustice by the states. And in terms of community, wider community, and injustice that these women can't get safety and protection. So I think we just keep on doing the same thing. We keep on saying it. We keep on talking about it. And, you know, hopefully there will be change. Like I said to you before, I'm an eternal optimist. Uh, I don't think you can do this job without feeling that change is possible. Mm-hmm. But we need to sustain the conversation, the discourse, the argument, the debate, if you like. We need to keep doing what we're doing well and progressing to the future
1: can i just say thank you for the wonderful work that you do thank you thank you for being a wonderful guest and absolute um, pleasure can we just say every good luck to you and yours and everybody at safety for sisters going forward Thank you very much. Sadia Sharma. Thank you very much.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of Forever Manchester Meets, please go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and like and subscribe us with a nice five-star review. If you want to find out more about Forever Manchester and the work that we do in Greater Manchester, please check us out at forevermanchester.com or follow us on the usual social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are at Forever Manchester. Nice one.